Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Let's take a quick break. You know what's one of my favorite things to do post-dancing rehearsal? Not going to lie, it's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rum Haven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rum Haven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality show is back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some rum haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. Today's specials, new Chase Freedom Flex with 3% on dining, including takeout. Now every meal comes with a side of cash back. Learn more at chasefreedom.com. Cars are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank N.A., member FDIC. Restrictions and limitations apply. Offer subject to change. Hey, everyone, this is John Roca from Collider. By now, you've likely heard about Disney Plus, the new streaming service that includes Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. With all of these amazing brands in one place, Disney Plus is one of the most incredible libraries in the entire streaming landscape, and it's all ad-free. From beloved classics like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves to today's blockbusters like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame to critically acclaimed documentaries like National Geographic's Free Solo, the content on Disney Plus is truly unparalleled. Disney Plus also offers some of the most beloved TV shows of all time, including 30 seasons of the Emmy Award-winning animated series The Simpsons. And if that weren't enough, Disney Plus has also rolled out a host of originals like The Mandalorian, the first-ever Star Wars live-action series, and high school musical The Musical The Series, a very meta take on the beloved film franchise. It's no wonder Disney Plus has become one of the most talked-about streaming services of 2019. So don't miss out. Sign up for Disney Plus now and start streaming all this great content today. In an era of online retail where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you. Or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a 7-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. On today's show, we're talking about a brand new clip from Rise of Skywalker. And then we're also discussing Queen and Slim's Golden Globe snub and Benioff and Weiss. They have found a new project after leaving Star Wars. Good morning, everyone, and a very happy Friday to you. Welcome to this Heroes and Villains edition of Collider Movie Talk Got a good panel today. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Vinny. Hey, Patty. How you doing? Good. Neither of you dressed the part. No. Well, well you heroes. did. Jeff didn't. That's I'm always dressed as a villain. It's heroes okay. and villains. We are cosplaying. <laughs> You're wearing a Friday the Friday 13th show. You Friday. get a pass. Yeah, he's repping. I feel like maybe we should talk to heroes and villains, and they should make a whole villain line just for you. Just and it should Jeff. just be like Jeff Snyder Jeff's, wear. Jeff Snyder's face I, on a T-shirt. I know a few people who would buy that. Would you buy get this Literally Klingon shirt? I'm this is I think this is one of my favorite things. This and the Warriors of Mandalore line because that had a really cool jacket that uh you know I'm always freezing here in LA because that's a normal <laughs> thing. So I wore that for like Completely half the week. But uh, if you guys want to get your hands on any uh, heroes and villains attire, 
heroesvillains.com and then use the promo code TALK10 at checkout. And I've been telling you all week what they're doing is a countdown to the release of Rise of Skywalker. And every single day leading up to the release, there's a different deal happening that you could add that TALK10 code on top of. And today the deal is with uh, with certain purchases, you're entered to win tickets to Galaxy's Edge. So I would check out the site, heroesvillains.com, find out how to win those. All right. Moving into topic number one today. So I'm going to give you a little warning before we even discuss this, because I know some of you out there do want to go into Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker knowing absolutely nothing about the story. If you are in that group, this clip is not for you. That's it. I'm stopping right there, and now I'm going to actually talk about it. All right. So this new clip uh, shows Kylo Ren exploring a planet we don't really know where he is but it involves some sort of encounter with palpatine and uh i don't know there's a lot jeff jeff you're already starting we're only like three minutes into the show i will then turn to you Vinny. what do you make of this clip what do you think it means for the story overall um well first of all yeah i think it's kind of surprising how spoilery it is uh i i this is the part of the the uh marketing train i'm not a big fan of where they're like trying to get the casuals in so Mm -hmm. they're like we're going all in and that usually ends up a little spoilery but yeah this is uh it it pretty much changes the two movies before it just this little clip because it 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 confirms that palpatine has been pulling the strings yeah you just gave me a look that was like <laughs> it's it's just because whenever i look at a piece of promo material that's released well before the movie yeah. and it makes me think that something's being spoiled usually i'm wrong about it and the way that this clip plays we're calling it a clip but it doesn't feel like a full clip from the movie it almost mm-hmm. feels like maybe something is uh is actually being intercut because you know how it fades to black yeah. often what if uh I don't know. This is something that's being intercut with Ray having a very similar experience because that line that he gives and how that line morphs into different voiceover from yeah. different characters, it, it kind of in a way mimics the Force vision that she had in Force Awakens. I think that's why they included, they specifically included uh, him saying, my boy, which is really, I, just hearing Ian, Mc, Mc, I, almost, I always mess that guy's name up, Ian Mc, McDermott. 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 See, there's so many letters in it. Uh <laughs> Ian McDermott, just hearing him like chew the line, like my, like he just adds like syllables to it that aren't in the word. Like that is exciting. But you're right. Uh, I do think this could be some editing trickery. But just the fact that uh, apparently Andy Serkis and James Earl Jones uh, provided voice work at all is kind of surprising because I don't think we heard about that before. No, I, I, I don't think I was aware of it. There's such like a jumble of information yeah. in my brain from the past two plus years that I don't even know what head. I knew anymore. Jeff, did you watch the clip? What did you make of it? I did not watch the clip. I knew you didn't. I'm watch trying the to project. go into the rise of Skywalker. Just he's just such super a big pure. fan. He's you know? just such a big fan. Yeah, he didn't want to just have his big moments spoiled sure. for me. I would believe uh, that statement in most situations. Not a, today. He's a diehard. He didn't want to spoil the movie for I just keep thinking of himself. Brian Cox from Succession being like, Kylo Ren, you're my number one boy. <laughs> that is. <laughs> I, I hear that, but then I also hear the flip, the flip side where it's like, F off. Yeah, I, I, I just... I don't know the mythology of Star Wars enough to be keeping track of you know who's who pulling what Palpatine, strings. Do you know who Palpatine is? No, no okay, idea. He's, he's an old man. I know that. That's true. The Emperor. Uh, okay. Sidious. Emperor Palpatine. That makes that makes sense. I've heard that before. Oh man. All right. Sidious. We Darth get, Sidious. Yeah. We got to give I, you. I knew like he a, was a Darth. We got to yeah, give you, you a, a little primer. I also think Darth. it's like a major missed opportunity that's no one, that no one out there has done, you know, like Palpatine or Snoke m- removed and put Brian Cox from Succession in that chair <laughs> talking to Hux and Kylo. That would be great Can stuff, no? Can you do that no? for us, please? <laughs> no do cursing on this show. Let's get, let's get Danny Aiello. R.I.P. R.I.P. Wow. All right. How did we get there? Because uh, I've been doing quotes from him all morning. All right, I've just been well, screaming I Danny Aiello quotes. I was ready to be doing Danny Aiello. I walked in here like 8.30 in the morning. Yes, I just heard screaming Danny Aiello quotes. Well, well, I mean, this is <laughs> going to come right smack in the middle of our Star Wars segment now. But uh, I'll just read you the, the brief uh, the brief post that uh, Variety did this oh, morning. We that don't Dan- have to do. We well, we, we brought it up. At, the, at this point, res- respectfully, <laughs> I, I would like to actually to finish the conversation Wars. and honor his legacy. So Danny Aiello, who, of course, you might recognize from Do the Right Thing, 
and Moonstruck. He did pass away. He was 86. So those are some of his uh, his most famous titles right there. But Jeff, as someone who has been uh, brushing up on quotes this morning, anything from uh, his body of work you want to highlight? I mean, I just I love the professional. Obviously, I love do the right thing. He should have been in a Star Wars movie. What? There are no Italian Americans up in space. Uh, yeah. There's plenty of Italian-Americans. Well, Danny Aiello should have been up there. He was great. Good Moonstruck as well. Yes, very. Uh, Would you like to add anything, I do like a Moonstruck. Moonstruck is like, uh, I know it's an odd choice out of his entire body of work, but that to me was, I don't know, when you say his name, I was like, oh, yeah, the guy guy from Moonstruck, of all things. So, yeah, it's uh, a bummer, especially uh, just just directly in the middle of our Star Wars chat. But, uh, yeah, no, it's... uh, I gave you the heads up on when to bring uh, it up. Didn't listen to me, but uh, yeah. our our thoughts to his uh, his friends, family, and colleague and colleagues. And you know, if you have the time, just scroll through his IMDb page and and queue up a movie he was in because you're in good shape if you pick one of them. And I think you'll enjoy it. All right. Let's go back to a little Star Wars talk, but we're going to move into a different section of this story because obviously the uh, the press uh, the press campaign is well underway for this movie, and the stars and J.J. Abrams have been out and about speaking about just about everything right now, and probably no surprise, but a little bit of a hot topic is how they take uh, Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi and how they evolve the things that he introduced in that movie in Rise of Skywalker. Here's a particular quote we want to read from J.J. Abrams that he said to Yahoo Entertainment about Ryan. And it's funny because one of the things that I was thinking at first was, oh, I really want to see all the friends together. And in his story, as in Ryan, they really weren't. Ray doesn't really meet Poe until the end. Ray and Finn are not really together in the movie. So in a way, the story that he told in a lot of ways helped set up what we were doing in nine. But it also allowed episode nine to have the group together and out on an adventure in a way that was weirdly, even though it's the third film, it's the first time they all get to be together. One more little piece to this one here. But there were a lot of details and story points that Ryan set up in Last Jedi that we run with in this movie. I don't think this movie would have been nearly what it is without the choices that Ryan made. So I'm nothing but grateful. Uh, First, guys, these two quotes in particular, what do you make of them? And then we can kind of open the door up to anything else that's been discussed from the uh, the folks involved in Rise of Skywalker thus far. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a very nice quote. It's something that he, again, it's him clarifying uh, some previous statements. Uh, Every time J.J. Abrams talks about the last Jedi. It's just like it's, what he's saying sounds nice, but it, it, he's like also very clearly saying that he's going to change what happened in the last Jedi. Like I don't know. There's always this underlying like confirmation that he's like, I, I appreciate that movie so much, and I am going to change everything that happened in it. Mm-hmm. Like that. That that's that's what it sounds like to me. I don't I don't know if you agree, but to, to me, uh, whenever J.J. Abrams talks about uh, the last Jedi, it's I don't know. It, it weirds me out. It, it gives me the heebie-jeebies every now and then. Jeff, I'm genuinely curious. As someone who doesn't know like the nitty-gritty details and kind of like harp on some things that we might have had from the past film, Like, what do you make of a statement like this? How much weight do you put into it? Zero weight at all, because these are all lies. None of this is real. All these quotes, none of, not one single solitary Star Wars thought out of any one of their mouths is legitimate. Oh, I think No one's telling true. you the truth. It's all diplomacy. It's all very commendable kind no one is being honest about their real thoughts about these movies they have a movie to sell that's kind of what i'm that's kind of what i'm saying but like way quieter and way less (laughs) less aggressive i I genuinely don't think think that's true i don't think it's true i think that if if someone involved in rise truly strongly dislike uh, last shot. I no, we're not going to hear about it in the press tour. But you know, having sat and done my own interviews, having listened to a million other interviews, there are some very genuine answers out there because some of the people involved in this franchise are truly passionate about it. So I think maybe that applies to a certain section of quotes that we're reading right now, but maybe I'm not the so entirety of the press campaign. For what Ryan did, and he set up eight, set up nine. Can you believe it? Like, yeah, that's how movies work. I, I do mean, think the interesting thing is it, it speaks to the nature of a press tour, which is been going on for like how long how many interviews have they done like if you put if you put me in like eight, 18 straight interviews i would probably say something dumb eventually like these people like it, it's just like these quotes 
I don't even know what what interviews they're coming from anymore because they're they're just popping out day after day. After day. So yeah, many. they've been popping out every day for five years or something like that. <laughs> like the press store started the day these people were cast yeah. because every question that like doesn't matter whether John Boyega is off doing some other movie. He's only being asked about Star Wars. So the press store has lasted years, and I just can't wait to not hear. Anything else about Star Wars from any of these actors? Well, that's not going to happen. I know. <laughs> because you know you know what the next wave of it is. It's always looking back. It's like, uh, right. we're going mean, to tease this eventually, re- but on Collider Ladies Night, I did ask Karen Gillan. I mean, it was you know yeah, a little bit right. of a joke, but I asked her, do you ever do an interview for any movie and not get asked about Marvel? And the truth of the matter is, like, no, they're no. going to get asked constantly. Be- and it, because whether journalists it's- are terrible these days. That's why. All right. Here you go, Jeff. So, when you find an interview or a piece of reporting that you really like, where do you go to find it and when? What types of interviews have that information that you think has real truth and value to it? I mean, profiles from like the New York Times or, or Vulture. Uh, but isn't that where places- this came from? Wasn't one of the bad quotes from the New York Times that that got all that got, like started the whole this whole problem? I'm a, I'm hesitant to confirm that because I can't really remember, and that all I have the- right now are the Yahoo quotes in my face, but. You the, might be right on the, that. That's where the Boyega, not to, not to just be like, gotcha, but uh, that's like where the Boyega and <laughs> Abrams thing started. So it's just like, it's it's a widespread problem. I, I wouldn't say it's a problem. And I wouldn't say that all journalists are bad these days because I'm not like Clint Eastwood. It's just like, I don't know. It, 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 uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's, it's a problem, though. I would say it's a problem because th- the story is the argument. So you try and... Even if you're doing it subconsciously, if you're doing the interview, you're like, I'm going to I need those meaty argument quotes. So like. But is it an (laughs) argument? Journalists are just trying to stir up like beef with these kinds of things. I feel like we're we're agreeing, but we're just yelling. (laughs) (laughs) This is the problem. Uh, I feel like when you go to these interviews, there's so little value because no one's seen. Right. You haven't seen the movie. movie, So so why if you were like, I would just never do it. If if you were a journalist, why even agree to go to a junket for a movie you can't see? Because we got to keep the lights on. Because you got to be there so we can ask these actors questions about this movie that we haven't seen. I mean, it's wild to me. We can't not cover Star Wars. I do have to refute that a little because it just it it takes time to come up with interesting questions when you haven't seen the movie. It's like we do that at at Comic Con all the time where they're previewing all the upcoming movies. Sure, do I I prefer do I prefer to see a movie before I do an interview? Yes, at all times, always, always, always. There are certain scenarios where you just can't, and it's just about being creative and doing your homework well, and finding I, that angle that no one else is going to get. That's why I don't, I don't agree that like all journalists are bad because there are people like like Perry who go to these things and they, they haven't seen the movie but they come up with creative angles. For Absolutely. The, and, and, and I'm but not, they're not going to get like a hard like, like, like they're not going to get a scoop from these, these junket interviews. You know what I mean? But they, wouldn't they, it be great if the editors and chiefs of all these sites, of all these blogs that we read, if they all got together and they said, you know what, we're going to make a united stand and we're going to say, Disney, we're not going to do your Star Wars junket until we see the movie. Yeah, that'd be great. And then Disney would be like, okay. And then uh, they'd continue to sell a billion tickets no, either that's, way. That's, that's never, that, ever that's going just... to happen. And, you know, I, I understand why they made that choice at the risk of, you know, not letting spoilers get out, even though every journalist I know that attends these junket is very responsible with that information. But I don't know. I still think there is some great content out there. Some of the quotes are better than others. And it's just about exploring, finding the sites that you know that you could rely on and, you know. This is a great opportunity to plug our own stuff. I think that we came together as a team really well. We came up with those super cut questions. We came up with the questions that we asked JJ that get at specific bits of Rise of Skywalker and plot points that you could expect to see explored more. And I think they were good conversations. I was very proud of the work we did. I agree. What I'm loving is just like you can clearly hear like the fatigue. All these actors are ready to be Mm. done with this franchise. Let me tell you. That I can understand. To never see the inside of a Star Wars set again. Well, that's why we always discuss the part of this like yeah it's the greatest opportunity in the world to get a star wars marvel dc game well, but these are changing thing these are these are franchises though that you are working on for a significant amount of time and if you're the kind of actor who you know wants to make a big movie and a couple small movies in between you have less time to spread around when you are you know obligated to appear in a three film series and these films take how long to make? And then you have to do the press tour. So that fatigue, I do understand. 
Sure. I'm just saying, like, John Boyega is going to be asked about these three movies for the next 50 years of his life. And I'm sure he would never, like, he, I'm sure he has no regrets. I think it's for but, the like, ex- that is a big price to pay. I think it's for the extent of their yeah, lives. Like, I don't think I, anybody who is in a Star Wars movie is ever going yeah. to be not asked about being in Star Wars. I mean, Mark Hamill, like, Mark, that's the role. That Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker. He's in something. You're like, oh, they cast Luke Skywalker in it. That's cool. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, that's that's what happens when you, you, you get these roles. I, I think even people like Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr., you're like, oh, look, it's Captain America. It's just, it comes with the, you know, extremely absurd amount of money and fame that, that goes with the role. It's like, oh, that, that's a shame. But is it? Is it a shame? Like, it, it, it's a double-edged sword where you're like, yeah, they're probably really tired. It's a trade-off. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a trade-off. They, they're probably really tired, and I wouldn't want to do interview after interview after interview. And it, it, it's a bummer, and it takes up so much of your time. But also, like, you're in a Star Wars movie. Well, so that, That's what I have noticed on this press tour is just people seem to be wanted. They just want to be done with it. Like, yeah. Adam Driver... Does not want to be talking about Kylo Ren and, and all these different theories. You know, he wants to be oh, slugging wow. marriage story. I got story. the exact opposite. I was going to say, strangely him, enough, Adam Driver. Him, him maybe more so than anyone. But I do think it's because well, he's he has trying to win be- an Oscar this year. I also think that's because he has like the best mediest role in these. Like he has something to talk about. Like he, he, uh, Kylo Ren's arc is the most interesting part of these movies, and Adam Driver is a big part of that because he's such a good actor, and I think that's why he comes off as being the most. Uh, into it because he kind of is the most into it on screen. Like, what was with this this Finn and Poe aren't boyfriends story that made the rounds a week or two ago? Well, they should where be boyfriends. Where did that come out of? The fact that they should well. be boyfriends. That's where it, that's where it came <laughs> But, but yeah, how does this come from, like, this fa- this idea that fans have where, oh, it would be so great See, if they could be boyfriends to then a journalist asking them about it and, like... Uh, how no, I think, I think Oscar Isaac brought it. I think Oscar Isaac was like, yeah, I would, I, I'm bummed that didn't happen. Is he... Is he? Or is well, that a great quote? I, I don't know. Those are the kinds of Either things way. that I really love about fandom. When yeah, you see a movie I, like Force Awakens and you are so into the chemistry that John Boyega and Oscar Isaac have that you come up with hopes for future films and fan fiction of your own. And then that also is one of the coolest things about press tours to me. It's like any time I get the opportunity to do an interview, there's a million things that go through my head. But one is, what would our audience engage with most? What are they most excited to hear? Do they want to hear their theories brought up to these actors? It's like the back and forth with that is something that i really like to engage with i think there's enough on screen to justify that have you seen the way that poe looks at finn <laughs> there's there's enough it's there I, i'm pretty it's, sure it didn't they, come out of nowhere it didn't come I, out of nowhere i, don't, I think they, they the refuted that You'll at see. this point but but the point is the point is accurate <laughs> i see it all right let's move on from from these quotes to uh to another hot set of quotes here so uh yeah, at the uh, the 2019 Golden Globe nominations, you might have noticed that none were given to the movie Queen and Slim. And now we've got the director of that movie, Melina Matsukis, and she's got some quotes out right now that say that uh, a lot of people in the HFPA just didn't see her movie. I'm going to read a good deal of these quotes because we do have to discuss them all in detail here. So here is what she told Variety. She says, it's extremely discouraging, it's extremely infuriating, and it just represents an archaic system that is full of people who don't value us. She goes on to explain, we held three screenings for the HFPA and almost no members attended. For me, it's reflective of their voting body. It's not reflective of the society in which we live in or the industry as it stands today. They don't value the stories that represent all of us, and those stories are so often disregarded and discredited as are their filmmakers she went on to say a little while later I was warned by three different people. This is just to give you a little background on this quote, actually. Uh, this was from an HFPA fundraiser that she attended before even finishing uh, Queen and Slim. This was her experience there. I was warned by three different people that I may be harassed or spoken to in an inappropriate way, which I was. And they used a very archaic term in that pitch. And I found it quite offensive and disrespectful to me as a woman of color. She goes on. I think there's an extremely long way to go. I'm always going to be hopeful 
people because that's who I am. But I don't have a lot of faith in any institutions in this country because they have always discredited and disregarded work by women and people of color. The fact that five women have ever been nominated for directing in the lifetime of the Academy is infuriating. It's obviously very imbalanced until the body of the people voting on the projects reflects our society and the people making these projects. There will be no change. Jeff, I'm going to you first on this one. First, let's just get in general. What do you make of these quotes? They're they're head scratchers to me. I don't think that Melina Matsukas or Alma Harrell have come off looking very good in the last couple of days. Um, I really liked Queen and Slim. I thought it was great. I was probably the first person out in front of that movie. Uh, but when you say that you know no one no members attended these screenings, you've sent out DVDs. <laughs> How do we know that they're not watching them at home? Like I just I don't understand that argument that only three or four people RSVP'd out of the ninety members of the HFPA. You don't know who's watching it at home. You don't know who's going as a plus one to some other screening that wasn't just for HFPA members. I just, I find this whole, and it's like, if you want people to see your movie, you know what? Release it January 1st. Don't release it at Thanksgiving. You have to understand, people don't see every movie. And people have to make choices. We haven't seen every movie, have we? No, no. And that's our job. Okay, so voters, it's not necessarily their job to see every movie. It is a privilege, and I think that they should try to see every movie. But these people are working professionals. They don't always have time. And so half the battle is for a studio and their award strategist to make sure that that screener is at the top of the pile or to literally, like, what do we have to do to make you see this movie in a theater? So if if it's not not that it's necessarily a failure of the HFPA, it's a failure of Universal and its strategists that if that's really the problem, that people didn't watch the movie, that is on the studio. Well, the failure of the HFPA might be what she said about the the experience she had before finishing Queen and Slim. I mean, I don't know the details of that encounter, but it doesn't sound like it was very pleasant. And, you know, if something like that did bleed into these awards times, screenings, then that is problematic. But I kind of can't refute anything you say, because as much as it pains me to admit this, yeah, it is. It, it's impossible to watch. It is absolutely impossible. impossible to watch everything. And that's that's what I do. I create a pile with my screeners and I prioritize them for a whole variety right. and of some movies at the bottom of that pile. And, and sometimes yeah. it's going to be your movie. And the other thing is this: if the HFPA is this disgusting organization that just cares about freebies and swag and taking their photos with celebrities and they're saying offensive things in movie pitches when they come up to you, then what do you care? What do you care about getting a nomination from these horrible people? Yeah, that's kind of always been my uh, view of the Golden Globe. I mean, this it, 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 it's a pretty gross situation all around, but like the Golden Globes are just ultra gross in a in a in a system that's already gross like i don't know there's just something about like you said i i don't know if i'd even be i mean obviously people want the golden globes noms and they want to win but of all the award shows that one it always boggles my mind why we care about it so much like what is it about the golden because it's televised that's why because people tune in for mm -hmm. the ceremony that's the only reason the critics choice awards are televised as well right they are nobody watches those nobody cares but the, ra- the Golden Globes have ratings, and so they have this importance or this, this fake influence. It's just crazy to me. Um, I, I mean, th- there's, there's a lot of issues at play here. But the whole, you know, well, if I wasn't nominated, then I wasn't considered. That blows my mind. Yeah, like, how do you know that people weren't sitting there having this conversation in their heads or with other members being like, well, what would you think of Queen of Slim? Oh. You don't know. We don't know any of this for sure. Just to add a little background from the Variety article here, they did write that uh, while home DVD screeners were sent to the voting members of the HFPA to view at their leisure. Universal Pictures apparently did not have confidence that the members watched the film even at home and they canceled a previously scheduled press but, conference with the cast. But why? Why don't why didn't they have confidence that they watched it at home? Like I, I that, that, that's, it doesn't it does very, not explain why. That kind of, but that, that, I don't know. that's what bothers me is they're like we didn't get nominated so they must not have watched it is there's a big leap there. Like, well, why? why well, that, that, and and it's, it's not like the HFPA is like this straight white male organization. It's a group of foreign journalists. Yeah. Now, maybe the old adage of black films don't travel internationally is coming into play here. Maybe the films don't travel internationally because the journalists responsible for sort of spreading the word in those countries aren't doing their jobs. Mm. Uh, but you would think that, that this group of foreign journalists who are technically minorities in their own right would support a, mo- a movie like this. 
Just to back up a little here, I am curious what your take is on Queen and Slim's, you know, not Oscar chances necessarily, but Oscar value to begin with. If you right. were choosing the it's, nominees, would exactly. you have Queen it's, it's and Slim in the, the mix? It's not the HFPA that, that, is, that is the only people ignoring this movie or something. Like, it's clearly just not getting the awards traction that I thought it would at the start yeah. of the season. I, I Do I think that this movie is one of the ten best movies I've seen this year? Probably not. I think it's a great first film. I, I really thought Jodie Turner-Smith was incredible. Um, Melina did a great job. So did Lena Waithe. Like, it should be in the conversation. But just because it's falling on the outside of the actual nominees doesn't mean there's some horrible conspiracy afoot. I'm sorry. It's not an undeniable movie. I still haven't seen it. It's so controversial. I'm, uh, it's I'm definitely the, divisive. I'm part of the problem. I, I, haven't, I, I really would yet. recommend seeing it. Just to answer my own question there, I, I do think this is a movie that should be in the conversation. I think Jodie Turner-Smith is great. But I will also say, if you want to see like a next-level Daniel Kalu performance that continues to prove that he yeah. can do anything the kind of chemistry he strikes up with her in this not only is special in this movie but it's like a unique chemistry that i've never really seen before so there are a lot of things that i think would be very deserving of nominations but when it comes to what we do on collider fyc which is predicting a movie's chances even after seeing it and even after i convinced myself that it deserves these nominations that didn't change the fact that we always go back to this the buzz for it just wasn't strong enough. Listen, everyone who I've talked to about Queen and Slim uh, who have really liked the movie, there, there's a part of it where it's the sex scene juxtaposed against this scene of violence with a young boy, and it just doesn't work. And it is the sort of flaw that a first time, you know, it's the sort of mistake that a first time filmmaker would make. But like when I read this Melina Matsuka's quote that says, when asked what message she'd share with HFPA members, she said, your time is over. I believe they've created an unsafe work environment. What? Are you talking about what your time is over HFPA? I believe that the HFPA has created an unsafe work environment. These are like these explosive ex- inflammatory statements that just it's gobbledygook. It's fairy dust. What does this mean? But I also I think she'd know better than I like I, I don't know what goes around the HFPA like it, it, Quotes like that that are so explosive, I don't. I almost don't want to touch myself because, like, she knows better than I do. I'm not in those meetings, and I, I remember what happened to Brendan Fraser. I, like that that whole thing happened recently. The, 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 it, 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 there's a bad vibe to it. There's a bad vibe to it, and I don't want to be the one to be like make a statement either way. So she would know better than I would in that regard. Yeah, I would kind of I would kind of echo that. I mean, this is, you know, these are big quotes, but it is a surface level report in a sense that doesn't really get into the truth or or whether or not these accusations are false. I mean, there has been great concern over the HFPA mm. and what their awards stand for and everything, but you know, until we get a little more of a, you know, an an invest an investigative piece on the situation over there. That that last quote is, you know, it's alarming in a multitude of ways. It's just listen. I realize what you're saying. When Melina Matsukas would know better than I, and and that may be true, but she's also a little too close to it. And and you know, everyone thinks that they've made a masterpiece. And you know, sometimes it takes critics or Oscar bloggers, whoever, to to bring you back down to earth. And the other thing is, you know, where she's saying she's hearing this from awards strategists and consultants. The people on her team told her that uh, only three or four people went to see it. I'm telling you, you can't even trust those people, the people on your team. You can't even trust those people. It's what I've always said about number, rule number one of reporting. Don't believe what actors say because actors don't know because the agents are just telling the actors what they want to hear. And that's what award strategists are paid to do. They're paid to tell people what they want to hear. So rather than Melina, you, you, you made a, a movie that's been a little divisive. Instead, they say, Melina, only three or four people even came to see it. They didn't even give you a fair shot. Like, I'm sorry. Again, you know, I, I can't say that what they state in this variety piece is 100% true. But if I'm, you know, if I'm saying what I think could have happened, yeah. I think it could have been a real possibility that Queen and Slim could have been at the bottom of the pile. And that's why uh, it didn't get any nominations. But one way or the other, it's, you know, the sad truth is that's how the game is 
played. And I think if you want to change that game, it is on you to speak up against it. So perhaps there is some good with some people calling out the HFPA for maybe not putting as much weight into certain types of movies in the long run. But then the question becomes, like, why was Queen and Slim so often the movie at the bottom of the pile? Like, if that's that's how it is, if that's how it's done, that's how it's done. But if there's a pile and more people than not had that movie at the bottom, then the question was, why that movie? It's kind of like how horror like horror movies, you know, they don't get nominated for anything because people are like, that's not what this is about. Why is why would Queen and Slim be like, oh, that's not what this whole process that's, is about? That's the big question. And the answer to that question, you know, will kind of give us a sense of what the real problem is but, here. But you don't, you don't even, you're not even in the pile, though, if you're not coming out in the, at November. Okay, so next time, if you think you're not going to be at the top of that pile, come out in February, March, April, May, so that voters have a chance to see the movie. They have 10 months well, to watch it. And they can a, watch it. But stuff I feel in the like, I feel like that's, a, that's the a strategy thing, though. It's like yeah. there, there are a lot. That clearly backfired then coming out in November. It, it did not entirely backfire on them because box office wise, not only did this movie have a stronger opening than expected, but it's holding on fairly well. And I, for one, have predicted a good third weekend in theaters. So I think it was a smart box office strategy, specifically talking about awards. But, you could have that narrative in so many different ways where, you know, sometimes when movies come out earlier in the year, we're like, oh, well, they did well then. And then we forgot about them but then there's other situations well that's that is the thing it's a case-by-case basis yes maybe award season wise queen and slim would have benefited from coming out earlier in the year and giving people more time to see it you still run the risk of being forgotten but then we also have movies like i don't know richard jewel and little women that are december releases and maybe all of a sudden even though they've been left out of certain conversations they could wind up seeing a groundswell late in the game and upsetting things we think right now are the favorites and and i wouldn't write off queen and slim either I, i think that you know academy voters still have like another month to watch this movie the hfpa had early deadlines again you're, you're compressing all this movie watching into a very short period of time so maybe that's part of it but every studio has to make a decision between are we chasing box office or are we chasing awards sometimes those go together and sometimes, and sometimes they conflict and, yeah. and clearly the studio chose the box office route this time i'm glad it, it it's paying off for them but with awards yeah this has become a sort of forgotten also ran yeah all right we are going to move on now but uh do share your thoughts if you've seen queen and slim did you like it do you think it's award worthy we would love to hear what you think as well all right we got some cool stuff coming your way on the collider video youtube channel this week like collider mailbag here's promo hey everyone john roca here the host of collider mailbag new episode drops every saturday and sunday in your face and in your ears answering the questions from you fans about the world of entertainment film and television me and great guests from our sphere do the best to answer your questions from twitter from instagram and of course email as well every saturday and sunday So while you might have to wait to see two episodes of Collider Mailbag this week, you know what you could watch right after Movie Talk and Collider Live today? You could watch a lengthy conversation with Karen Gillan because she was my guest on Ladies Night. She is an absolute delight. She's great in Jumanji. You know her as Nebula. And she's also building up quite the resume behind the lens as well. And I really, I did just watch her first feature and as a director, and it's very impressive. So check out that conversation. It's a great time. And another reminder, if you want cool shirts like this, heroesvillains.com. Use the promo code TALK10. All right. Last story today. Oh, I don't think Oof. this is like a super heated one, but you never know what's going to happen here on Movie what Talk. So uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss have <laughs> lined up their first project after departing the Star Wars trilogy. This project is for Warner Brothers, and it's being described as an untitled thriller inspired by the graphic novel Lovecraft. I find it interesting that Karin Kusama is actually an executive producer on this one. Briefly, the logline offered by Deadline, uh, they write that I'm told the movie asks a horrifying question. What if H.P. Lovecraft wasn't making it up? What if the monsters he created are real? And this movie apparently is going to be set in uh, 1920. So you guys hear this after that hot topic of uh, them departing the Star Wars film franchise. Do you think this is a good move for them to have picked up this project next? I like, I like how you said it's not a heated topic because nothing has been more chill than the topic of David Benioff and T.P. Weiss <laughs> over the past well, couple of months. Uh, you know what I mean. When not applied to Star Wars and or <laughs> Game of Thrones. Well, I... Again, this goes back to what we were saying. Can you separate them from what they've done before? It's just such an interesting story. They they got kicked. They, they left 
they departed Star Wars uh, on their own decision completely because they didn't have enough time in the day because of their Netflix deal. Then their next project is a film for Warner Brothers. So I guess they found some time in their day to do another movie. I don't know. It's, it's a very, it's odd. It's odd. The, the report did mention that talks were happening uh, for this before the Netflix deal. Mm-hmm. But it's just so weird that the reason they were like, okay, we could possibly do Star Wars because there's just, we just got to focus on Netflix. And now they're like, we're going to make a movie for Warner Brothers. It's, uh, I don't know. It's a strange look from from the double D's. You have, Vinny like- is making my point for me. You can't, <laughs> You cannot believe a word anyone says in Hollywood. It's all about their actions. The actions speak louder than words. So when the Davids or what the D's are the saying, D's, the D's. whatever their names are, oh no, I don't watch Game of Thrones either. Surprise! When they say, yeah, we got to go work on our Netflix things, and then they go and do a Warner Brothers thing like, Oh my God, guys! Uh, Netflix has to be thrilled with this announcement. I'm sure that this was something that maybe they disclosed, since like apparently it's been in the works for years. I don't know, man. You give the uh, they got tr- uh, six figures from Netflix. Yeah, six big figures. deal. It's and seven. Uh, it was yeah, nine or nine. Nine, well, yeah, 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 nine, nine figures. Six, nine figures. It, see, that like breaks my brain that it's nine figures. They got nine figures from Netflix, and like, what are they doing? Like, the, the only thing we've heard from them since that deal is that they're not doing Star Wars, but they are doing a Warner Brothers movie. And it's like, what happened to the nine-figure <laughs> Netflix deal? I don't know. The movie should be interesting. They're not writing it, so it could be good, but uh, it ha- they haven't even decided if they're directing this, right? It's no, a- this report says they're directing. It oh, is, I, I, yeah. I'd seen a report that said they were still deciding whether. I think they that it said they said it. They direct. said it at Warner Brothers. I mean, I assume. I, I assume they're directing. I, why would this even be a story if it? This the, the, from our report, which was based on the the deadline piece. Uh-huh. That, uh, we wrote uh, Benioff and Weiss will direct. Mm. I, I mean, yeah. I. Uh, I don't know if it's that's confirmed. It's interesting, and I do think it's interesting that uh, Karen Kasama is. An executive producer. It's, that's that's the really thing, cool. That's the thing that I've latched onto. Because yeah, any I, anytime she puts her name on a project, I'm like, oh, have to prioritize this. But, just, me but otherwise, this news it. wouldn't have done anything for me. Yeah, it's it's just a really weird story. I mean, uh, who knows if it'll even happen? It, it, they said it at Warner Brothers. It's, it's, it's a currently thing. Apparently, they should probably start making some Netflix shows so, because they got paid nine figures to do so. so. Th- this is a movie that's about Lovecraft's like monsters and creatures yeah, coming to life. It's right? like if so, it's Goosebumps. It's it's kind of like Goosebumps. Yeah. No, it's not about it coming to life. It's it's if all the stuff he wrote is real, existed, right? existed. And I like I I really like Lovecraft. I don't like him because he was kind of a piece of trash. But I like I like I like uh, the whole mythos. It's interesting. I think it's an interesting movie, and I. I probably probably would have flown way under the radar if all these names weren't attached do, to it. But do people even like? Are people going to see a Lovecraft movie? Because here's here's what I remember: a lot of commotion, a lot of commotion around this movie called uh, Tolkien. Hmm. And you know how much more money that thing made? Five bucks. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what the greatest thing yeah. to come out of that movie was, though? You know what their press mailer was? What? It was like a little stick in a piece of dirt. And I swear to God, it came in a bag with no instructions at all. And I decided, I took, it took a champagne that? glass and I plopped the thing in the champagne glass and it grew. It's the first wow. plant I've ever had okay. where it's grown, but I still never saw the movie. Yeah, why would you? They give you a stick and a piece of dirt. I, uh, it's like the greatest press mailer I got. All but that, that movie, I don't know. That, that's, that's a story for another time. That, but no, just I, looked, that just looked like you didn't need to see to it. To your but, point though, I do not think that anybody out there who isn't already like a massive Lovecraft fan hears something like what was it untitled Lovecraftian thriller and says yeah. like that is my most anticipated movie yeah. of the coming year I think it sounds interesting but I uh, <laughs> like 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 I said before, I, I mentioned this before we started uh, filming there's a lot of like Lovecraftian elements to the Game of Thrones books that those two dudes were like <laughs> let's, let's get rid of that so the, when this was announced that was the first thing I thought of was like how they just got rid of all the myth elements mm-hmm. of Game of Thrones and it's like I thought you weren't interested in that it, they, they're just I think they're just going to keep announcing stuff until something sticks well, that's, that's I, why I, I won't understand. put There's any no... real weight into this because you know how long and how intensely did we talk about their Star Wars arrangement and then poof it's gone <laughs> yeah. haven't seen anything from their Netflix thing yet Game of Thrones enough. is over and that, that Game of Thrones was their claim to fame so until I see more consistent output that I like 
I think and that, that's guaranteed um, to happen. That not enough hours in the day quote is going to come back to bite them every time they announce something. Because the fact that they were like, we don't have nearly enough time. We got to focus on this Netflix stuff. But first, we're going to make this big Warner Brothers movie. It's just, I don't know. Those dudes uh, hasn't been a great couple of months for those guys. No. I, uh, well. I feel for them, but also they did get nine figures from Netflix, so I don't really feel too bad. Oh, we're going to keep an eye on this one as slash if it develops. We shall see. But we're rooting for you, Karin Kusama. We're rooting for yeah. everybody. We I want projects to pan out well, but we don't know it. yet. Just let her direct it. It'll be great. I want her to direct whatever she wants to direct yeah, that's next. Because I, I really she's liked great. just about every... I think I'd like everything give her nine, she's directed. Give her nine figures to do whatever she wants. Seriously. All right. I could get Someone out there gave her hundreds right. of millions of dollars. Let's get into some of these live chat questions here. Oh, where should we start? All right. We got to go with a Friday the 13th question. Uh, Louis E. De La Pena is asking, since today is Friday the 13th, is there anything superstitious that you don't do or might do? Thanks and have a great weekend. Something do you, superstitious. Do you have anything superstitious you do on the regular? don't do. Uh, or what about in general? Not just necessarily pertaining to to Friday the Thirteenth. Do you have any superstitions? Uh, no. I live my life freely without superstitions. <laughs> it's probably a healthy way to go um, about it. No, nothing, nothing I can think of. Not I, really, I no. like when the clock hits eleven eleven. That's nice. It's like yeah. my whole my whole family. Anytime the clock, it's it's like eleven eleven. Make a wish. I don't know. You know what I do? Do it's uh, it's a fantasy football related thing. Oh uh, no! Don't tell me this. I do not check. The next week until someone uh, is a hundred percent the winner, okay. and uh, that has always uh, worked out for me. I, don't, <laughs> I can't lie; the thought has crossed my mind. Yeah, that that to me is uh, I'm like if I check ahead, I'm getting too cocky, and the fantasy football gods will strike me down. You that, do know who plays in the Collider League this week? No, us too. Well, don't check. I'm do like, not check unless someone is hundred percent. Well, or you'll lose. I'm gonna I'm gonna heed that I'm, advice this week. Though. Yeah, Maybe. I'm telling you. You know, I'm, I said, I'm I, said I don't have anything. Out right now. I said I don't have anything, but that to me, I was like very superstitious about. So I do have something, and uh, don't do it because you lose. What's your superstition? I'm not superstitious at all. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Really. I thought you would, you might have had one. I, I'm, I'm I'm quirky. I've got a lot of weird quirks. <laughs> yeah, quirks. So I, don't, I wouldn't call them superstitious. That's fair. Okay, okay. I'll let you get away with that one. All right, let's grab a question. Ooh, a scream question from Steve Calderon. Whoa. Hayden Panettiere tweeted a pic of herself uh, channeling, maybe? Her Scream 4 character, Kirby. Could she be returning for Scream 5? Kirby's fate is unknown after she was stabbed. No, that's the answer. No, <laughs> no, no. Goodbye. Have we spoken about the, the new Scream movie uh you know, rumor or report. What do you What do you think it's going to be? A continuation of the story that we know, or a complete reboot? I think that they need to reboot it. I think I'm done with Sydney Prescott. And yeah, I say that as someone with six screen posters over my Agreed. bed. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, we need we need a new screen. I mean, it's fine because we got a new screen in the TV show, but no one watched it, and so it doesn't matter. Well, yeah. Uh, I just Hayden Panettiere tweeted out a photo of her scream character. Who would even know that's her scream character? I haven't even looked at what that picture was. Her character in Scream Four was super cool, though. I, I really like liked scream her. In the movie. Was, you nice you scream would four. beat but, me in Scream trivia because at the end of the day, I'm not watching Scream Four ever again. Scream Four is good. Really? I, I, think I scream still want to one make of the that better happen. screams. I thought it was great. Yeah, get I think, out of here, I think, out of here with that. There's only yeah. four screams. What's better than I think Three? all four? Are at great. least two. I, for me. Uh, my mine is a one four two three. Wow! Yeah, and I stick by it. I am. I, I, What's I, your I'm list? Better Jeff? than two. It's better than two. No. What's yours? Two is the Force Awakens. It goes right in order. Movies. One two three four. Nah, I think I'd have to go two. in order too. Even though I think four might be the more well constructed movie, but I, I think three four. beats it out for nostalgia's sake. All right. Yeah, one four two studio. three. One four two <clears> three. Let's get one more question in before we have to say goodbye. This is a really hard question. I'm not doing this. No, give it to us. It's been a rough day. <laughs> What's the going? The hard ones. Uh, all right. <laughs> Chris Robinson is asking, what's your favorite and least favorite best picture winners of the 2010s? Oh, no. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, least right, favorite. Wait. Best picture win. I'm going to make sure we don't forget anything at least. Yeah. Give me some give me some options because I'm bad at remembering. All right. Here we go. Ready for it? Yeah. Green Book, The Shape of Water, Moonlight, Spotlight, 
Birdman, 12 Years a Slave, Argo, The Artist, The King's Speech, and The Hurt Locker. Uh, my favorite. Oh, I'm sorry. And Slumdog Hurt, Millionaire, right? 2009 no, counts? Her, no, 2010. Hurt Locker won 2009, so I wouldn't count that. I mean, it won at the 2010 Oscars. Oh, I, I see what I did. I went, I went a year beyond. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite by far is uh, Shape of Water. Uh, the fact that Guillermo del Toro made a movie mm. about a woman falling in love and having sex with a monster, and then that was the best. That was decided as the best movie of the year. That gave me faith in movies again. I was like, finally, the stuff that I like is being celebrated. And then uh, I think Green Book won the year after that, so it immediately brought me plummeting back down to earth because that might be my least favorite of that bunch. Well, I have a film uh, that also involves some controversial sex. They weren't having sex with uh, fish in it. They were having sex with children. Uh, it was oh, no. Spotlight. Spotlight. Oh, no, Jeff. Oh, no, Jeff. That is a bad uh, in, in yes, every oh, way no. possible. Spotlight was... We should not have done this question because <laughs> we would not have heard that. Spotlight was terrific. Uh, um, and uh, I'm glad that, uh, that they made a movie about the guys who brought down those horrible priests in my, in my city. Dare, dare I ask what your least favorite of the bunch is? My least favorite of those winners. Um, can, can we hear him once more? <laughs> Wait, we're... The King's Speech, The Artist. King's Speech, Birdman. Artist, Argo, 12 Years a Slave, Birdman, Spotlight, Moonlight, Shape of Water, Green Book. I mean, Moonlight didn't do anything for mm-hmm. me. I'm having a very hard time isolating a least favorite. And I think I would just go to the one that I watch the least often, maybe, which is The Artist. I just don't find myself revisiting that one. But uh, my favorite of the bunch, I echo your statement, Vinny, uh, Shape of Water. Everyone knows I'm a big Guillermo fan, but like Guillermo or not, that movie is just exceptional on all levels. I love that movie, and uh, I, I, I was like, there's no way it wins. There's no way a movie like that wins, and then it did. So that, that was like the last time I enjoyed, uh, it was like two years ago, but uh, that was like the only time I can enjoy or remember loving the end of the Oscars. Besides that time, they messed up and announced the wrong winner. That was amazing, but that, that, that had nothing to do with the movie that won. All right. I think we got to bring this uh, interesting episode of Movie Talk to a close. Friday the 13th. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Thank you so much for all your time today. Adam in the booth, Dorian in the live chat. Thank you for all your hard work as well. You guys know where to go after this. On over to Collider Live. And then after that, go to Collider Ladies Night. It's so much fun. Guys, do not leave any of our videos on the Collider Video YouTube channel without liking and sharing it. And have a great weekend. We will see you bright and early Monday morning with a brand new episode of Movie Talk. Danny Aiello. (laughs) What's up? It's Kevin Hart. And with new rewards from Chase Freedom Unlimited, I now earn even more cash back, even on a beach getaway. I earn 3% of drugstores on beach snacks. Hmm, these chips have some saying on them. I earn 3% on dining, including takeout, after Seagull eats all my chips. And I earn 5% on travel purchased through Chase, like a hotel room to hide from that Seagull. Learn more at ChaseFreedom.com. Chase, make more of what's yours. Account subject to credit approval. Restrictions, limitations apply. Offer subject to change. Cards are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC.